Hello and welcome to another edition of Talk A Good Game. Our producer Martin suggested I, we would go a bit slower in our introduction, Fergal, and it's a good suggestion. Hello, Jimmy. And, and, and <laughs> so, uh, so and if we go any slower, Jimmy, we'll be stopped. <laughs> but, uh, anyway. But, uh, anyway, yeah, it's right because uh, look, uh, it's it's been a an interesting week in mead sport again. But look, welcome everybody, everybody out there. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope you enjoyed the rugby yesterday. What an afternoon! We don't. I didn't often get a chance. I didn't see. That was the first game I've seen in this this year Six Nations. Uh, Fergal uh, yeah. but uh, Mead I was going to say Mead played well in the first half well, Ireland played well in the first half Tom O'Toole Mead man came on and did yeah. his job yeah he, uh, it was a fairly decimated Ireland team alright amazing wasn't it you it know the, amazing, to lose but, two yeah. hookers as well Van der Fleer had to do the throwing uh, you Ian know Healy had to hook yeah yeah Keane Healy a prop had to hook and but they managed to do it and um one of the things that I take from, from what Farrell does and what he said in recent weeks is the fact that he loves adversity because he sees it as a challenge. Uh, you know, no matter what happens, uh, he sees it as a challenge. There was that's a lot all, of... It's all well and good when you're winning. <laughs> you can love adversity when you're, when you're winning in the face of adversity. But you keep having adversity in every game you play and you're not winning the games. Imagine being a Liverpool supporter right now. You know, oh, you're yeah, born you, you love, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you love adversity. And you, uh, that was a low point, Fergal. You, Kick the shite out of Man United last week, 7-0, and then you go out and you lose to the bottom of the table team. Don't really love adversity then. That's probably not a great example, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's well and good for Andy, Andy Farrell. He's got an absolute... Although we seem to have had a few golden generations of rugby players in Ireland in the last few years, uh, but he really has been blessed with some serious talent there now, so it's great to have that talent behind you and face adversity yes, and win the games. There is a point that, um, you know... Manager can only do so much in any team. It's the fact that uh, you know he, a manager, he, he, him or her needs players, and that's the bottom line, isn't it? Well, manager, what, what's that old saying? Players win championships, managers lose matches, and uh, managers become end up being the scapegoats in in a lot of things, uh, a lot of sport, especially in soccer. You see it where the the managerial merry-go-round is nearly worse than the managerial merry-go-round at the end of a mid GA season uh, with yeah. all the clubs changing. But it, it's but, very easy for players just to say, "Oh, th- this fellow doesn't know what he's doing," or "He doesn't know what he's doing." But players have to accept responsibility for their own performances. I think we've mentioned that on a podcast before about players accepting responsibility and you can see that with the Irish rugby players yesterday that they do did accept responsibility for their own performance and some of them didn't play well but others stepped up and uh, yeah as well, you said, I, I, I guess you need both though really don't you you need, oh, you you need, need good players because we've seen teams before you need to be well organised as well um, say I'm trying to think of an example now I suppose of Manchester United teams in recent past who you know worth hundreds of millions of pounds and haven't performed yeah. so you need a manager to, to light a fire under them and get them going as well yeah well look Van, at Chelsea who have uh, spent well, half, yeah, well, half, they a, seem to be half getting, a billion and they have a manager and they're still underperform. don't have a manager that seems to be doing his job or whatever way, whatever the expectations are of him uh, but they're struggling as well so they've neither <laughs> they have the players well they, they're, they're picking up a few wins now they seem to be getting a bit yeah. of momentum now so maybe they'll be like Ar- playing, Arsenal that's because they're playing Liverpool in the next couple of weeks right well so guaranteed uh, three points there yeah, anyway maybe four even yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so you know and but very good players 
uh, also another side that very good players don't always guarantee victories because I was at a, I was at a game on Saturday in uh, Network Netwatch Cullen Park in Carlow uh, between O'Carlin College and St Patrick's of Cola, uh, Castle Island in the All Ireland College post primary schools senior C final. It's a bit of a mouthful this one. There, tell you where you were, what you were asking. And uh, so look, uh, brilliant, brilliant, O'Carlin College team. We know that because of the way they broke records in scoring and and on the way to the final, or or, or even breaking records in conceding. I think in the Leinster yeah. final, between the Leinster final and the All Ireland three final, conceded just three points. Yeah, the beat. Um, um, Dean Maguire's of of um, of Carrick Moore and Tyrone, yeah, six twenty five to something to one so, point so in semi final. Semi finals are usually close run affairs, but certainly that one wasn't. Yeah, but then it, you know, uh, your point being a, a team of talented individuals, unfortunately fell short. Would unfortunately fell short. Uh, Saturday, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they, they played very well, but uh, Rian Stafford, uh, Rian McConnell. All these players, Derek Kelly, Adam Matthews, uh, Sean O'Hare, Killian Smith, you know, the team was brilliant. They're a brilliant team of footballers, young footballers. And it was a great, and it's a great encouragement for somebody from Mead to watch them play. But, you know, Kerry won in the end, as it always seems to happen, except, well, it didn't happen in 2001. Yeah, the... the um the O'Carran College team, a lot of lads with adult senior or you know, adult experience, especially the Castletown boys who got to an All Ireland club semi final. So you talk about Reen McConnell, uh, Killian Smith. I don't have the team in front of me here. I know you have it there, but a mm. uh, few of the few of the Castletown boys there as well. And um, I know you had a couple of. Uh, you know, Reen Stafford is one that's been held high regard, plays with the main and Very Woods. talented young footballer, yeah. Uh, David Curtis, who I believe made a senior, uh, played for Rakeney this year in the A-League. Um, so you have some outstanding footballers there. Adam Matthews also played at Castleton. Mm. So they obviously had some outstanding players as their run to the final showed. But 6-3 up at half time, Jimmy. Castle Island boys just got the goal at the right goals at the right time in second yeah, half. Yeah, look, the win was a factor. I definitely it seemed it was one of those occasions where there didn't seem to be um, much of a win except until you went down onto the pitch. But uh, yeah, look, Castle Island were very strong, very physically imposing, and uh, look, Carlin College lost their way. Two goals, of course. You you were saying earlier on you hate to see teams <laughs> uh, winning yeah, yeah. by uh, scoring more scores. The, yeah. the final score, you know, was two eight. To eleven points. Yeah. So yeah. even though even though Castletown scored eleven times and the other team scored ten, that's a real pet peeve of mine. I hate seeing a team outscore another team and still lose the game. But then goals win games. Then isn't that the goals. the adage there? It used to be back in the day where no matter how many points you scored, if you got a goal at all, you won the game. So you could back in the early days of the GA, you could be. 12 points to 1-2 and you win the game with the 1-2 because goals outweighed any amount of points yeah well I was uh, talking to a former Mead footballer I won't say his name but it was a conversation but uh, he was just saying how delighted he was to see the, the level of the football produced and, and the standard of footballers is emerging from that North Mead area whole North Mead area and he, he was saying um 
Oh, he'd be surprised if three or four of those or more of them don't go on to play senior football for Mead. Yeah, that and that's from a. I know you were saying that it's from a fellow well experienced and has a good grasp of the Mead football scene. So for him to say that there's five or six of them boys will go on and represent Mead at senior level, you know, it's a good it's a good thing to have, and we do have good young players coming through. Mm. Um, and especially you can see with those of Carolyn College boys and as we said already the Castletown Youngfellas have got good experience with their with their club this year so um, that's encouraging to hear that and yeah the under 20s of course had reached the under the the development league final which unfortunately was one of the many games that fell victim to the weather over the weekend and allowed us to be off on Sunday to watch the rugby which is a rare rare occurrence but um you know, with those young lads coming through, Jimmy, backed up by a Leinster winning minor team and, and an All-Ireland winning minor team the following year, there's plenty of plenty of green shoots. And I know we talk about it a lot and pulling on the Mead jersey. And but there's plenty to be encouraged about. Yes, Fergal, there is. Uh, but we've been looking at this in recent years and looking at um, uh, great players emerging through senior uh, minor teams underage teams and we've been saying this for a few years now and yet it's not they're not making the difference in, in the senior why is that do you think I, I don't know I don't know no. we've tried to offer excuses many many times before um, like th- there was a good minor team there by managed by Andy McEntee in 2012 so yeah. you know that, that were only beaten by Dublin that year they got to an All-Ireland final beaten by Dublin the Leinster final the Leinster League final and the All-Ireland final Mead were the second best team at that level But so that's 11 years so those those guys now are 28, 29 but the, and who was really kicked on apart from I think Killian O'Sullivan was on that team Porrick Harnan was on the team uh, James, was James McIntyre I'm not sure who else but there was, off the top of my head um, but there were good players that came on but I, I made the point often made the point in before when we had the good minor team in 92 90, that won an All-Ireland in 92 and got to an All-Ireland final in 93 and we had good minor teams in 1990 the good players off that team were coming up to play Mead Senior Football with the best players probably the county have ever had so the likes of Darren Fay Trevor Giles uh, Paddy Reynolds were coming into Mead teams and learning off Martin O'Connell's Colin Coyle's Colin O'Rourke's lads that had uh, lads that had won All-Ireland Senior before whereas the young players coming into the Mead setups now don't have those type of leaders or those type of role models okay players like Donald Kogan are exceptional footballers and would have fitted in to any era mm. uh, of Mead football and, and, and Sean but they haven't he hasn't the experience and there's no player on the Mead panel at the minute hasn't the, has the experience of even winning a Leinster you know it's do we, do we need to do that though do we need to have that experience of the, well the well, win, the, the winning Leinsters are underage yeah but I'm talking about and they're beating and, that team you mentioned beat Dublin uh, I know they lost to Dublin in the All-Ireland final but they beat Dublin in the Leinster final did they not yeah that year that no, year minor no 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 they uh, lost all three finals but my, my no no but they lost the final the All-Ireland final but they lost all three finals the, the Leinster Championship final the Leinster League final and oh the yes they went in the back door yeah yeah. The, yeah so but my point being is that the good players 
that came off the three or four or five good players that came off the 1990 All-Ireland winning team which had Graham Garrity and Enda McManus and uh, Connor Martin lads like that the good players that came off that team went into a mead setup that was backboned by multiple All-Ireland winners and give them, could teach them and uh, they learned off them and the, the All-Ireland winning team uh, of 92 and 93 minor or sorry All-Ireland minor winning team of 92 also came into that setup with a Mead team that was vastly experienced and they learned but the successful team that 2012 team went in okay of a Leinster final but they never kicked on Mead never kicked on and we just didn't we don't have that experience there to help these young fellas coming through so the likes of Adam Matthews coming through there uh, the likes of Owen Frayne in Summerhill the likes of James O'Hare now the likes of uh, Rean McConnell who seems to be an outstanding young talent coming through there's no there's no John McDermott type figure there's no uh, Colin Coyle type figure Mark McConnell Mick Lyons type Jer- you know those type of figures to grab these lads and bring them on to the next level they, these boys have to learn on their feet and have to learn themselves and uh, hopefully they will hopefully they'll kick on and make a major impact but uh I, I, I do think we have plenty of good young talent coming through and we have to be patient with them and we hopefully they'll learn off lads like Colin O'Rourke and Barry Callahan and Stephen Bray and, and that's that's who has to has to do the teaching now well I, I, you know it has to come from within the players themselves so doesn't it you know that hunger to succeed absolutely and yeah and commitment and it's a huge commitment yes asking players to commit six days a week to, to be successful now you know you're doing you're doing gym work Monday, Wednesday, Friday they're doing training sessions Tuesday, Thursday and games then on Saturday or Sunday you're looking at yeah. six days a week for for these boys well even more than that uh, Fergal they need a sort of uh, mental strength as well that uh, young players now coming through that you know because uh, we, we touched on it there earlier on when we, we spoke about Troy Deeney and so on and talking about soccer and how the sporting in, arena is now is a different environment than yeah. it was maybe in the past where you have to uh, be prepared to take a lot of abuse and of course then there's online abuse afterwards so there's all sorts of uh, extra challenges facing young players now coming through it these days yeah yeah their issues and uh, I don't know how you teach a young fella to to manage with that or cope with that on top of all the other pressures of performing at inter-county level um, there's a responsibility there on the supporters to show patience and show a bit of respect and have a bit of cop on when it comes to uh voicing their views on, on when they get behind our keyboards and faceless warriors faceless keyboard warriors as we call them um, but look at it's easy it's not easy but they should be ignored there's more good supporters and I think we sometimes we dwell too much on these idiots mm. uh, that that go on to the, the forums that we see out there uh, pure idiots that, that think that they can just say what they want about people um, so I think we focus too much on them we, we give them too much oxygen if we starve them of the publicity that they look for they, they quickly fade away so yeah, but you, just uh, that, that Troy Deeney article that you read during our, no, uh, read our uh, Sky interview, News yeah, an interview, interview rather Sorry, yeah, yeah he, he, he was saying about um you know the, the football stadiums and, and going to football games just seems seems to become like a, 
a lawless place that as a kid when he was growing up he rarely cursed or he never cursed in front of his parents and he rarely used bad language and he knew if he did he'd get in trouble and uh, he was brought to a game by his father um, as a 10 year old or something and something happened in the game and, and as a youngster in Troy Dean he let Aurora I'm off for fuck's sake <laughs> and mm. uh, he turned around kind of shuddered and turned around and looked up at his father expecting a clip across the ear and the father just patted him on his back and said it's alright son you know you're at a football match now just go and tell your mother <laughs> right. so it was kind of a thing of you know the laws that apply outside of football grounds don't apply inside football grounds and Tridini was making the point that people go to football matches and they think they can say what they want and they get away with it because they're in a crowd environment and yet they expect footballers to, to take all this abuse and and then people say oh but sure you're paid you know 100 grand a week why shouldn't you but just be, no matter how much you're paid that doesn't alter your capacity or ability to um take abuse you know it's still personal thing so you can get paid a fiver an hour you can get paid 100 euros an hour and if you're getting abused that money isn't going to make that abuse any any easier to take so and he was saying footballers are expected to go out and be peace ambassadors and role models and you know helping charities and all that and then they go out onto a football field for 90 minutes and get dogs abuse and you see it I've seen a few mead players down through the years and I've heard supporters barreling abuse down the terraces or down the stand in part halching at them and there's times I'd love to just get up off my seat and go down and grab them by the scruff of the neck and say what are you talking about you know yeah um, well, well it's funny some months ago uh, I saw Michael Dignan uh, reacting to some you know it was uh uh, former off, Mead Hurling manager, current yeah, awfully, awfully yeah, and yeah. He, he somebody sh- board chairman, yeah. somebody shouted some something in the stand. He it enraged him, you know, whatever mm. it was. I didn't hear now what it was, what it was, but I, he was he was pretty close to me down down a little bit down the stand. So whatever it was, he he just couldn't restrain himself. So he tried to, but th- th- this happens all the time, though. Fergal, people go on to pitches, uh, they do things that they would probably end up in court. If, if they did it on the street yeah, you know hitting yeah, people from yeah. behind or whatever or from the front or whatever yeah. just hitting people um, saying things to referees that would would sort of be would represent a slander and then end up you know somebody could end up in, in court because yeah, of well, it yeah well it just again underlines that point that from that Tridini made in that interview it's that it's you enter this circle this in football or sporting environment where you know easily respected laws or, or generally accepted laws in normal society just completely go out the window and this applies not only to the stadiums that Troy Deeney played in but also well, the, the, the local parks uh, you know maybe to, even more so Park Tulchin or it applies mm. to Blackwater Park or it yeah, applies to any of the grounds or go to any of the rugby pitches and you hear about things you know all the respect match referees get in rugby and you could even see the guy that, that refereed the Ireland game on yesterday and he was getting a bit of backlip and he just said if I hear any more backlip it's yellow card and people think oh well officials are treated with much more respect in rugby I've been at rugby games and I've heard players getting dogs abuse and referees getting abused from the sidelines generally mm. because that idea of oh well I'm in a, a sporting environment here I can say what I like and sure it's only a bit of crack but rugby does definitely have this a certain code of ethics shall we say where you have to approach the referee in a certain way and call him sir and even on the sideline I've heard supporters 
out hey sorry what yeah. about that so you know um, there is yeah, yeah it's it better it's better in rugby it is I, in, in it my is. view it is it and is that maybe helps by the fact that the rules are a little bit more clearly defined and aren't left open to interpretation as much as the rules in definitely GA are and definitely ladies GA but we're not going down that line now but uh in terms of you know some referees will you know in rugby you must release the ball immediately and that is referee says the word immediately and if the ball isn't released by the end of him saying immediately it's a penalty whereas mm. four steps in GEA I'm sure if you take five or six or in some cases where we've seen nine, ten, eleven steps taken referees just go ah well you know he was just trying to ride a tackle there or there were only small steps or he took them really quick <laughs> you know there are yeah. other things and, and so rules are open to a lot more interpretation in GA and maybe in soccer to certain than, than in rugby and that's why it's easier maybe to respect the referee's decision in rugby because it's not really an interpretation although I haven't said that referee yesterday I was kind of I was enraged myself looking at him a few times because he, he, he uh, Hogg should have got a, a yellow card or yeah. you know but yeah. anyway yeah well again it's a bit like you can't expect referees to see everything and I, but I know in, in this day and age where games have multiple TV cameras he should have picked up a lot more yesterday than he missed it. and even that throwing the ball the wrong ball into the line out oh, technically yeah. he was right but it punished uh, the team who did nothing the team who did nothing wrong yeah, yeah, yeah right. was, that was bizarre uh, but yeah, yeah look, so, we, uh, we, we uh, kind of covered a wide range amount of stuff there we went from O'Carroll College but fair play to the boys well, it, it, uh, yes great, uh, great journey great journey for them brilliant uh, campaign uh, no I was just uh, struck by the stadium announcement before the match he had said that uh, he'd asked the people to be mindful of their language because his children present present in the stand I had never heard that before from a stadium announcer and it was a very good message to, to try and get out there yeah, it probably is um, something that should be said yeah. said an awful lot more you but, know um, like, yeah vast majority of people at these games now are kids surely you know? yeah of course and, yeah and, and if, if we're going to be uh, given showing given the example we, like we're the ones that have to put down the example and if we're going to be letting the tongue loose and free with all sorts of abuse and language what you know how can we expect the next generation of kids coming through to be any different to that mm. so until now us as adults take responsibility for our behavior at matches we can't expect the kids coming through to be any different no matter yeah. how much education there is yeah it was a very good point by the city announcer i thought he pointed but it, look it was it was a brilliant match by the way as well the uh saturday's final and the player the guy, the guy i spoke to afterwards you know he was said his faith had been restored in gaelic football by, by watching that game because um you know this it was a superb game unfortunately O'Carroll college lost unfortunately for them but what a run what a campaign they can be proud of what they did speaking, speaking of teams with good campaigns the uh, the meat hurlers are true yeah. to as expected and anything other than reaching the national hurling league final would have been classed as a failure for mead because they were relegated from 2a last year they have secured their place in the division 2b final with a game to spare which that game is next sunday or next saturday's game against uh, london, london in rice and you wonder the wisdom about going ahead with that game um 
like London are out of contention Mead are already secure in the final it's going to cost the GA to go to 20 grand to bring well, Mead over probably be able to get plenty of free uh, cheap flights going over to London because all the London supporters will be our England supporters will be flying over here for the, the Grand Slam yeah I think so. uh, hopefully, hopefully what would be a Grand Slam victory for Ireland yeah St. Patrick's weekend I don't think there's any cheap flights to London or to Dublin but either way well, um, yeah, so Mead beat Tyrone two seventeen to not eight. Tyrone were second in the uh, in the division, yeah. and Mead swept them aside there by fifteen points. So um, it's looking good for Mead, but and the kind of bizarre nature of National Hurling League Division Two B is just because Mead win all their games in the group doesn't mean they're promoted. They're in the final. The second team will play the third team in a semi-final on the weekend of the 25th, 26th of March. And then the winners of that will play Mead in the National Hurling League final on 1st or 2nd of April. And it's not an April Fool's joke, but there is a possibility Mead could win all five games or six games, five games in their group. Lose the final. And, and lose the final and not get promoted. Yes. So, it's just very unfair, isn't know, it? The likes of Wicklow could lose two games or Donegal could lose two games and get promoted in the group stages. Whereas Mead, who would lose one game and win all the others, miss out on promotion. So there's still a job of work to be done mm. by Mead. And you look at Wicklow, I think Wicklow... Uh, they won they beat Donegal like, could have been 222 to 11 points or something at the weekend so Wicklow are, are up in their time in their run to perfection so they're going to be the danger team mm. we would expect that they will win the semi-final probably against Tyrone yeah. um, that they will win the semi-final and it'll be Mead Wicklow which would have been the expected final uh, on the weekend of the 1st 2nd of April and uh, winners only get promoted so there's still a job of work to be done there for Mead but uh, Shersha Bolton must be delighted it's a, it's a 15 point win on the board they've won all their games he's got to have a look at plenty of players um, and you know they're still favourites for promotion still favourites and doing very well and uh you know, he, he's changed the style of the team re- in recent over the course of the campaign. Really, you know, and uh, yeah, well, I think in the sense that he he's gone much more direct. I think anyway. Yeah, I think it's more a case of rather than changing the style, he's he's now. Uh, looking to apply a couple of different styles that he can mm. change from mm. one to the other so when he when he what, became what? first as the coach uh, with Nick Weir he kind of wanted to implement a short game didn't he, he wanted it's to see, move yeah, the ball yeah. move the, the ball between the players shorter tighter quicker that didn't quicker. work out too well yeah. you know yeah but he is still he still uses that but they have improved on it and he's also mixed it up now with the long ball game mm. and also with the running game as well so yeah well he said you have to vary it yeah yeah, yeah. and it's and it's working look you can only beat what's put in front of you and uh, they've done that and yeah. they're in the National League final 217 to 8 points to beat Tyrone goals from Paddy Barnwell and Eamon O'Donica Eamon O'Donica is flying for me mm, very good and yeah, really yeah. good young player Paddy Barnwell is another good young player off that minor team so in fairness to, to uh, Shersha he's brought in a lot of young players Simon mm. Ennis has come in and done well Kyle Donnelly has come in and done well well that to me is a, is a sign of a great of a very good coach is when he goes into a a setup and he he, he t- brings players on he takes the best out of players and uh, he's certainly done that with Eamon O'Donica uh, he, and uh, the other young Nicky Potterton as well he's he's playing really well and there's a lot of uh, Damien Healy you know uh, not a young player uh, well, <laughs> 
Well, he is. Well, he's still a young player, a ah, very young. Damien, no, no. Uh, well, Damien is young. He's certainly young. You're younger than us. Younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> but he's Nicky and Zira, young player. Doing a great job. Damien Heald, though. But yes, he's doing a full back. Went yeah. in full back that yeah. weekend. Is still doing and still very effective. Yeah, but yeah. I, I'm not running him down. Don't get me saying because he's not a young player. But he's not in the same bracket as Nicky Potterton. No, or, no, he wouldn't be. Or Paddy Barnwell, who's younger again. No, but he's, he's a player that seems to have, you know, improved uh, in recent. Games, yeah, um, you know, yeah, yeah, under Cersei, you know, that kind of so looking, looking good for the hurlers, looking good for the hurlers. Um, Fergal, anything else at the weekend? There was a uh, so, on the soccer front, uh, Timmy Clancy's under a bit of pressure with St. Patrick's Athletic. They've lost again, they've only won again, one. Uh, well, they've only won one in, in five games. Again, it's going back to this thing of you know, the manager is the one to blame here. He did a great job last year. He didn't mm-hmm. all of a sudden become a bad manager overnight. Yeah. Um, the, the beat is uh, CSK Sofia away. Yeah. In, in, you know, in the European conference. conference. They were fourth in the league um, in, what, in what was a very competitive league and he did a good job with them. Yeah. Uh, and now all of a sudden the, the Richmond faithful are calling for his head. Well, some of them anyway. Some they of were, them they were being booing him, you know. Keyboard warriors was, up in the stand. There was 5,000 at that game there on Friday night. Yeah, and there was probably 20. Against Bohemians. Probably a group of 20 of them were booing him. Yeah, and they're, they're yeah. always, as you made the point there, they're always the ones make the wheel that uh, that makes the noise gets the oil, isn't it, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, the uh, empty vessels <laughs> make most noise, yeah. All that, so, <laughs> uh, you know, he, 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 but he is, he's under pressure, like they are second from yeah, bottom. Well, second Sipat's from bottom. under pressure. They need to, yeah. they need to pull up a few results now I don't f- I'm not a huge follower of the League of Ireland much to my shame which I probably should be considering we have a lot of local talent including Sam Curtis who plays for St. Pat's and his yeah. brother Ben, plays ben uh, his brother Ben who plays for Drawda United and yeah. uh, a few lads plenty of local lads involved with, with right. Drawda mm. as well so and Jimmy Corcoran of course playing in goals with yes, Cork he's back. City yeah he's really re- revitalised his career yeah so like we, we do have plenty of local representatives playing the League of Ireland and we probably should be given a little bit more support to them um, the weekend mm. also saw the, one of the few things that did survive the, the weather uh, all the uh, all the GA was called off all the club GA ended up being called off so a full round of A-Leagues called off the start of the Premier FC was meant to happen for the t- Division 3 down to Division 9 teams all got pulled um, all the minor games got pulled uh, Mead Camogie were due to play Cavan that game got pulled the Mead under 20s were due to play mm. Mayo in Kiltoon that game got postponed and won't be refixed by the way um, with the under 20 championship starting in a couple of weeks time so John McCarthy's side um, won't get to play that Larry or Larry the Leo Murphy cup final uh, not that Larry Murphy should ever have a cup final but anyway it's a different podcast mm. um, so that they all got pulled uh, the Mead minor camogie team uh, played in the All-Ireland Shield and uh, they were beaten though by Wexford that game got moved all over the country before they eventually found the pitch they had to concede home advantage they went to Shell Maliers, um and they were beaten in that um, just trying to think what else did survive but you yeah. know not a well, well there was one uh, some of the rugby matches survived Ferguson. there was one remarkable story uh, we have uh, about North Mead based in Kells yeah the yeah. North Mead yeah and they, they, they were uh, a lot of the, the players and mentors and so on went to uh, Scotland on Saturday morning but they, they, came, they flew back to, to play a provincial seconds match and so we they have, flew out to Scotland on Saturday morning yes flew back play a provincial seconds match 
they obviously tried to change it beforehand yeah before they had, they had the flight booked but they decided they couldn't manage to do that so they flew back to, to play the game and then flew back to Scotland again for the Six Nations game on Sunday so that was uh, some commitment there from the, from a, these, you know, a lot of, lot the, of travel the, there and they won, they won the match <laughs> at least they won the match it was a provincial seconds Towns Cup seconds yeah. so, uh, uh, and, and Ashbourne also won at the weekend yeah. which uh, yeah. they were skirting with the uh, or, or flirting with the possibility of relegation, uh, relegation. they were skirting the relegation trapdoor there for a while um, but they survived in Leinster League Division 1A they survived Fergal yeah they they, um, they, they honed out a victory Kilkenny went down their old bogey team and uh, were involved as well you know so in that relegation battle so they, Bill Duggan and all those lads will be delighted up there in Ashburn and uh, they've they've retained their status for another it would really be uh, a real blow to the development of the club to go down a uh, division down to it's a long way back from yeah. Leinster League Division 1B um, so um, be a dog fight down there fight, right. yeah so so they survived so um, the board uh, mean half marathon yeah, as well Jimmy there was, was nearly 1500 runners started off I think Stephen Ball said there was about 1500 runners started off looking at the results yesterday there was about 1300 finishers so uh, right. 150 odd or 200 people fell by the wayside it's well, a difficult it's a difficult thing that bore me in half marathon and the conditions were wet and windy yesterday morning um, but fair play to them it was won again by Yared Doris who's a Carrick Aces runner uh, I think he's the he's the course record holder as well so mm. he did well there to, to retain his title I think Edel Gaffney from Trim uh, was probably the best of local performers finishing second in the ladies race but uh, all the photographs and and uh, little report from the race in this week's Mead Chronicle yeah and Fergal we've uh, there's, looking ahead though we have the big match on uh, yeah. Saturday now the, the thing I, I this is it's on nearly at the same time as the rugby but well, look at t- two hours something like that is it, well, the one is on at three one at five yeah so the dubs are coming to town for a yeah. three o'clock start in Partholchen in NFL Division 2 uh, three o'clock throw in and that and the rugby kicks off at five o'clock in the Aviva so there's going to be some rush from Partholchen <laughs> down to uh, and then a barreling down the streets in Avon <laughs> to get to the local mm. hostelries I'm sure the likes of uh, Ryan's and Fitzsimons is there and uh, Pete Clark's and oh, the no, Central and all the pubs down the, the main street in Navin and Larry and Nora's and, and Clems, Clems <laughs> and they'll all barrel into the Royal Mead and can we name any more pubs in the town in Navin but they'll be all barreling down the streets to a race to the exits as somebody sent me a message on because I, I tweeted it going is any chance lads you could move that game to one o'clock give us all a chance and people said actually you have plenty of time but of course we'll have our post-match interviews and all that sort of stuff to get so you're looking at probably a half four finish by the time the Mead Dublin game is over mm. and the Ireland England game starts at five o'clock so it'll be tight but the most important thing is the most important fixture of all is that that Mead Dublin game yes, uh, Fergal uh, well, no, no, well not really I suppose but uh, for, for me what do you think how do you think they'll do look at when, when you conceded 17 points against uh against Limerick and 19 points against Cork and 15 um, against Derry and Clare and 16 against Loud obviously the thing in your head is going to be holy shit what are Dublin going to do to us but 
you know, it's 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 a local derby, a bit like Loud coming to Navan. Nobody really expected Loud to beat Mead, but, but all form can go out the window. So we're looking for a big performance from Mead. We're looking for them to be defensively solid. Um, find a way to just limit Dublin scoring chances because Dublin can be fairly rootless but they're not the shadow of the team they once were for they were in recent years but they're improving from their early season form you know they they still ran a dairy team that hockeyed us to within a point in Celtic Park Uh, so no they're not the team that won six All-Irelands in a row and uh, have won 12 Leinsters in a row and they will make it 13 Leinsters in a row but they're still a team that are considerably higher rated than Mead are at the minute. Mead have okay. Mead have a good goal scoring record in this year's league. They're the joint top goal scorers, but only uh, oh god, it's gone from the top of my head. But I think only the likes of Tipperary, Waterford, and London have conceded more points than Mead. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's not a good record to have and Mead have a their, their points against Halley there's only four or five teams I think three teams in division at the bottom of division three Waterford Antrim somebody else um, have a lower points or a higher sorry points concede a tally so we over sorry overall scores concede a tally so while we're looking okay at grabbing goals. We've eleven goals in the in the five games. Uh, it's just concession of points at the other end that needs to be tightened up. So, from a me point of view, we're looking for a performance. You're looking for a good display, uh, and you would hope that a full house in Navan, maybe eleven, twelve thousand in Navan, uh, can get under the dub skin. Although they're well experienced and well capable of of riding mm. out the the uh, distractions of noise and stuff like that, but. We want a good performance from Mead. We want to take our goal chances. We want to dominate midfield. Ronan Jones and Jack Flynn have been good in midfield and it looks looks decent. Hopefully Shane Walsh, I know he limped out of the Limerick game with a hamstring issue. If he's gone, it's a big blow to Mead. Uh, Dara Campion has a, needs an operation on a scaphoid. He looks like he's going to be out for uh, the considerable future or foreseeable future, sorry. Um and with a few other injuries as well but uh, hope I know they played an in-house game at the weekend hopefully everybody came through that okay and hopefully they're hungry produce a performance and we'll see where it takes us no expectations the big one is the Kildare game um, the following week in Newbridge that's the one where we need to win but, yeah. win no matter what but they have to st- uh, surely uh um, raise these long spells without scoring that's been part of their game for so long and uh, it's really a problem isn't it it is, it is a problem and, and I don't know how you how you raise that because it's not a conscious ploy of any team to go out and say right uh, we're going to ease up on our attack here at the minute the Mead have like against Limerick they did go periods without scoring and against every team they've gone 10, 15, 20 minutes without scoring um, and it's not a it's not a ploy to go out and say right well we'll just sit back for a little while and re- let our energy rebuild and go from there but they've um, they need to to yeah keep that scoreboard ticking over um, they're going to need 16, 17 points and, and maybe a goal or two against yeah. Dublin 
Well, when he took over Colin Morocco, as I mentioned last week, he sort of said we, we would uh, Dublin would be used, used as a kind of a yardstick and how we're progressing and so on. So this is a first real test, the first real real uh, indication of uh, first uh, format, I suppose, to show if Mead have been making any significant progress or not. Yeah, look, and we all saw Colm's interview with Tommy Tiernan and he said, you know, Give him two, two years. years. If we don't see a bit of progress after two years, then he says he'll, he'll hand it on to somebody else. So we have to see. We have seen a bit of progress. Absolutely. The, the standard of football, the quality of the football is a lot better that we're playing. Mm. The games are a lot more entertaining. Results mightn't mm. be going our way uh, in the last three games against Derry Loud and Limerick. But, you know... Football is entertaining. You know, I'm enjoying going to watch Mead football and uh, hopefully just tighten up a little bit at the back and results will start coming our way. Yeah, well, very inexperienced defence still. I think I think I, I was doing my stats on it there having a look when I was writing the preview. The full back line the last day um, or, or sorry three of the yeah the full back line was Adam O'Neill uh, Adam O'Neill Dan O'Neill and Michael Flood and between them now Dan O'Neill had 12 appearances but a lot of them were only as a sub and were a good few years ago and Michael Flood and Adam O'Neill had six appearances so between them there was only something mm-hmm. like 18 or 19 appearances between the mm-hmm. three of them and 12 of Dan O'Neill's or 11 of Dan O'Neill's were a few years ago so you're looking at a, at a rookie full back line Ross Ryan had only five appearances so there's four of Meade's six backs the last day and the other two were Shane McEntee and Donald Kogan who had like four four or five million appearances between the two of them <laughs> but uh, well actually a, a good stat that Brian Kelly produced the last day the game against Limerick was Donald Kogan's 80th consecutive league and championship appearance for Mead. Wow. 80 consecutive, 79 of which he started. The only one he didn't start was the league game against Mayo in Castlebar last year when Andy changed the team, but he brought him on, I think, at half time. Mm. Um, so 80 consecutive, yeah. and 80, 81 then will be. I think maybe 81 was the one against Limerick. Or, He's a know. remarkable player because he took oh, a, he- heavy, a heavy uh, blow against Loud earlier on in the match against Loud, but he was able to shake it off and, and continue on. Yeah. He must have been sore the, of, the next of, couple of, all, of days. Probably of all the players since the Leinster win in, in 2010, uh, you would feel sorry if he doesn't get a Leinster medal for you know it's it's him for the he's just an outstanding player yeah. he would have fitted into any Mead team and Matty Kerrigan says that he, he's the one player that he's watched over the last decade decade and a half that would have fitted into any Mead team that he ever saw playing absolutely seamlessly yeah. a fine player a footballer yeah, yeah so hopefully Fergal we'll see how it goes on on uh, Saturday so but you're not you're not optimistic anyway from a Mead perspective I didn't say that I'm always optimistic but when the, it comes the, the, to Mead football I think we'll win by four or five points but uh, I did think we beat Limerick by seven and I said we beat Loud by four or five and look at those worked out I'm eternal I'm an eternal optimist when it comes to Mead football but it's the hope that kills you yeah yeah absolutely yeah sometimes it does so look at guys um, thanks uh, ladies and gentlemen all out there um, is there anything else Fergal you want to add it to for, um, just what we have we primary school soccer haven't yeah, we yeah we've, we've a huge we've six or seven pages uh, huge primary schools fives were on in the MDL uh, over the last two weeks so plenty of photographs in this week's paper looking at that looking back at that um 
look our coverage is fairly comprehensive and 24 pages of sport this week we're not pulling a match of the day on it we're not going you know with a shortened program and no commentary don't worry we get we fulfilled our end of uh, sports coverage here in Mead and we're delighted to do it okay folks listen thanks very much for listening everybody and hope you have a great sporting week that was another edition of Talk A Good Gale thanks Fergal thanks Eric. say hi